Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equip to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equip to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Equipped to Be. I'm your host, Connie Albers. I hope you've been enjoying season three, the guests that we've had on the program, and the topics that we've discussed. There's a lot going on. And especially when I talked about mom guilt and what's going on with moms and praying for our families and the spiritual battle plan that we have to do. And as promised, I mentioned that we would have more guests in the studio. And so today is no exception. I have a friend that I met a few years ago. It was actually when Equipped to Be was beginning. I was at a podcast conference. It was their very first one. And I was waiting for Equipped to Be to get that seal of approval so we could go live. And I met this woman and I was so intrigued by her kindness and her authenticity that we've stayed in contact. And last year we connected again at another conference and she was having a book come out. And I was like a huge cheerleader and a fan of hers. And it is Rachel Adams. Now, Rachel is a writer and a podcaster, much like me. She started her ministry to help women in their God-given purpose and significance. And she and her husband, Brian, They have a family business, and I really want to talk to her about her farm that they own in Kentucky. Like, what do they, like, what do they do? What do they grow or animals do they have? So I want to talk to her about that a little bit, as well as that she has two children and two doodle dogs. So that's going to be fun. I want to explore a little bit more that. I love hearing more about people's lives. But as we have this conversation, she has this amazing book, and it's called A Little. And so we're going to talk about what that means. And I absolutely know you are going to want to get your friends to share this with your friends. You're going to want to listen to this, you know, maybe even normal speed. Um, I don't know about you, but I tend to listen to accelerated speed, but sometimes they're really good and I don't want to miss anything. And I think this might be just one of those times. So with all of that, I want to welcome you to my friend, Rachel Adams. Rachel, thanks for coming on the Equipped to Be program. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been a joy just to get to know you and um, to get to be on your show really is a pleasure. And actually, as I'm thinking about our second meeting, I remember you. we actually connected again. And it was one of like the, a panicked moment in my life. And you spoke such peace to me in that moment. And I don't even know that you remember it, but I was late for a meeting uh, and didn't realize it because it was in a different time zone. And it was a super important meeting. And you caught me at that very moment when I was just reeling and you prayed with me and spoke such peace over me. And so I will always remember you for very many reasons, but specifically that, that time in my life. Well, thank you for sharing that. I try to. We're all on this journey. We're all in different places. And I tend to believe that we should lock arms with others and help people if they're just beginning or they're a little ahead. We're all someplace in that spectrum. And so our hand needs to either be extended out to help somebody that's taking that next step in their journey or somebody else's hand is extended out to us. I, I can't even tell you, Rachel, how many times 
there were divine moments in my life where people just came alongside me, much like you described. And I do remember that meeting. And I just remember feeling for you because, you know, when you're publishing a book and you're launching a book, it's a really big deal, but it's incredibly stressful. That was an amazing time for you. But I have to go to something that I didn't know about you. I didn't know you lived on a farm. Tell me about your farm. So we're born and raised in Kentucky. We're in a small town. And I met my husband, Brian, on the very first day of college um, in a different community. But then after we graduated, I moved him here. And my dad started a business when I was young, about one, actually. And, and so my husband... He now works for my dad and and we help run that family business. Mm -hmm. And so we actually just bought a piece of land last year and lived in an RV on the land. So we've got two children, uh, Will and Kate, who are both in middle school and two doodle dogs that you Uh mentioned and then my husband. And so on on our (laughs) farm, we, um, and really at, at this point, it is just, some pasture and some woods and a creek. And we lived in this RV while we were uh, building a house. And so now we're actually in the house, still getting settled in. So if I'm being honest, it still looks a lot like uh, gravel and dirt <laughs> and, and a lot of work. So you're you're in the process of <laughs> becoming are. a farmer. <laughs> we, have, we have big hopes and big dreams for one day having some some more than we have now. <laughs> well, I love that. I love the transparency there because one, you took a big leap of faith. And as I've gotten to watch you and know you a little bit and kind of learn more about the book that you've written a little, there was something that absolutely intrigued me. And I am a strengths master coach. So I love assessments. I love understanding like what makes people tick and what makes them ticked. And so much of that is just sort of getting to know how God made them. And there was something that caught me immediately as I was preparing for our show, and and that was about our search for significance. And you may not know anything about strength finders or Clifton strengths or any of that, but when I see the word significance, that conjures up for me a whole range of emotions. Significance for what? Significance to be something, do something. And then I noticed that we have another similarity. We're both strivers. We're both like trying to get things done and always more, always more, always more. And slowing down or stepping back, or like your book says, a little, just captured my interest. So tell me and tell our listeners a little bit more about your book, what it's about. What made you write this book? Oh, yes. And I want to learn more about the strengths assessment because I think you're spot on and and you could probably tell me more about me than I even know about me probably. (laughs) And so there's still more to learn. And I I guess that's why I say that because it still is a battle. It's still a struggle for me. And and I know it, but it doesn't mean that I still don't struggle. I was a stay-at-home mom. I told you my children are 14 and 12 now. And, uh, you know, even from the very beginning, when I mentioned my dad started a business, I come from an entrepreneurial family growing up and my dad would have a sign contracts of when we would complete a goal and how we would complete it and sign and date it, you know, write it in tablet and stone and, and you'll accomplish it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, everything is measurable and even fast forward into, you know, if that turned into grades and sports and just always wanting to do 
well and to be applauded and validated and affirmed for what I accomplished. When I graduated from college, I went to work for the family business and human resources and finance. And again, it was, you know, worksheets and everything. You can see your results. You can track them. And so then when I came home and started, you know, having my children and then it was bottles and Cheerios and that time, moving from a boardroom to a playroom, I really started to just struggle with my identity. And of course, at this point, I wasn't close to the Lord either. Mm -hmm. And so my husband would come home and he would say, how are you? And I would immediately list all the things that I had accomplished. You know, I made beds and I made meals and I cleaned the house and we played this and did, you know, and just wanting him so badly to say, you know, Rachel, you're significant. You've got value today. And so on days that I really felt like I got everything crossed off my to-do list and felt like I had accomplished a lot, I felt very significant that day. And then on days that I didn't, I felt insignificant. And so it was this constant yo-yo, this constant roller coaster ride of emotions, as you can imagine. And so one day I just was just having this conversation with the Lord one evening, you know, after all their routine and mundane and ordinary, you know, you do all these things on your to-do list and then you go to bed and you pretty much do them all over again the next day and the next day and the next day. And so it was this kind of this wrestling with the Lord and this conversation, Lord, does any of this matter? I want my life to count. Um, but it just feels too small. It feels too ordinary and mundane. And But yet I want to make a big difference. And so that was the tension. And so I just went to his word. And when we wrestle and we need wisdom, that's the only place I know to go. And, and mm. he never fails us. He always meets us in his word. And I just felt like the more I studied the scriptures, the more I realized that a significant life is much simpler and smaller than we think. As you were sitting there talking about your your upbringing, I'm thinking, mine wasn't like that. Mine wasn't from an external, from a parent that was doing it, because I was pretty much given free reign, do whatever you want. But there was an internal drive for the very same thing, validation, identity, my worth must be in what I do. And that's because the world does definitely tell us that. And I remember I had this very dream job in the entertainment industry representing this brand. And I absolutely loved what I was able to do. And then I went to the beauty industry and I was kind of doing the same thing. And when I tell my testimony, it's more of, Rachel, I went from this dream job to quitting my job. We moved. And then I was pregnant, had a baby. And so I was like you. I stayed home. And I was really excited about it until I wasn't. And then I started feeling like, ooh, wait a minute. What is it that I do? And then we went one step further. We decided to homeschool our kids. I'm like, man, I went from the top all the way down to the homeschool ladder. Wow, how wonderful is that? Not. And it didn't feel right. So I, I was sitting here as you're talking going, I know so many of my listeners are shaking their head and say, I get it, whether they stay at home or they backed off a little because they wanted to uh, focus on their family and building their family, or whether it's just maybe they didn't do any of that, but there's something in them that always is whispering, you're not doing enough. You're not ministering to enough people. You're not helping enough people. You're not getting enough work done. You're, it's never enough. And you know, I have to say to that, well, what is? Well, there's never enough. So when you wrote Little, talk to me a little bit about what did you learn? Like, why do you focus on little instead of accomplishing more, more productivity, you know, do more in less time? I mean, what is the significance that really drew you into focusing on the little, the ordinary, the things that the world may not say is, you know, magnificent, but it's magnificent to God? 
It's interesting because as we're talking about this idea of validation, I, I look at Genesis and I found, you know, when God created Adam and Eve and mankind in the very beginning, he looked upon his creation and he said it was very good. And that was really, as far as we know, before Adam and Eve had done anything. And then you fast forward into the New Testament and the same was true of Jesus, you know, God's son. He looked upon him as he was being baptized before he had officially launched into his ministry. And he said, this is my son with whom I'm pleased. And then I wrote 52 devotions in this little goes a long way devotional. And I say that there's 52 days to a significant life. But the thing is, is we are already significant. We just don't realize that we are. We have this inherent significance. And I so badly want people to realize that and really grasp and take hold of that, that it's apart from anything that we do, we don't have to earn it, that we're created in God's image. He created us from dust and he breathed life into us. And so, you know, we were fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows every hair on our head. And, you know, we're his workmanship. We're his masterpiece. We're his his poem, he calls us. And so I really just want everybody to just understand that piece of it. You're inherently significant apart from what you do. He loves you just as you are. And I think about when I first had my children, you know, even when I, when I was pregnant with them, they hadn't done anything and I loved them so much. And then when I held them, the same was true. They were just laying there and cooing and looking at me and, and I, I loved them so much. And I'm just I'm so confident that God, the father is looking down on us and he's, he's saying the same thing over us. But, you know, in Ephesians 2.10, that says we are God's workmanship, which is part A, which I just <laughs> mentioned and just talked about. But there's, there's part B to that. It says we are God's workmanship who he created to do good works. So we are here. We are here for a purpose. He wants to, as unfathomable as it seems, he wants to partner with us to build up his kingdom. And so I think, and you keyed in on this perfectly, that culture is telling us that bigger is better. And we have to just continue to scale and move the finish line. And, you know, those are good attributes. God wants us to do good things with him. (laughs) He uses everything. He uses the big and the small, you know, and when we see that throughout scripture over and over and over again. And so when I said I wrote 52 devotions, I truly believe I could have written 365 or more, (laughs) volume one, two, three, and four. That's book like one, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's all throughout the Bible, how he's used little ordinary, but it's him who takes our little a long way. You know, it's interesting that you just said that because we do need constant reminders. I mean, God even tells us, you know, that's why when people say, well, why do I need to to read my Bible daily? Why do I need to spend time with the Lord daily? Well, because it's a daily battle, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 100%. And that's why I'm so honest about this is something I still have to go to Him for security. In. We have to find our identity in Him or else we just get so lost and so discouraged to be honest, you know, you asked your, your previous question, and I'm not sure that I answered it completely, but when I looked at the Bible and you see, you know, Abraham and Sarah, that was kind of at the very beginning when God chose an old impotent man and an old barren woman to then create generations that were going to number more than the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the seashore. You know, and that's who he chose. He chose the youngest in David and he chose Esther, who was a young orphan girl. He chose Gideon, who was the least in his family, you know, and go back to David. He defeated Goliath with a sling and a stone. And then he chose Mary, a young girl that was willing to say yes, to bring the savior into the world. And then You look at the life of Jesus. I mean, Jesus, he was born as a baby in the tiny town of Bethlehem, never traveled outside a hundred mile radius. 
And he walked everywhere he went and he washed feet and he held children and he shared meals and prayed with people and went to weddings and funerals and taught in synagogues to small amounts of people and and a few larger groups of people. But so I just look at the way and the rhythm that he lived his life. And I think if nothing was too insignificant for the Savior of the world, then there's nothing that's too insignificant for me and for you. There's like two ways I want to go with this. You said some very wise things. I know people would probably say, oh, Rachel, it's easy for you to talk about this because you've got a successful podcast and you're an author and you do all these media spots and you have it all. So I want to focus on the fact that as you're faithful, because you were saying Mary, she was just faithful. She was willing. Same with Joshua. He was willing. He was faithful. Same with David. And the more God gives you the more responsibility that comes with that. It's harder because then people can discount. And also our own like pride and stuff can creep in and we can start thinking, wow, well, look what I've done. And for me, the way I ground myself, and I don't know if you've struggled with this, is to always remember that if I'm going speaking or if we're doing the podcast, it's an audience of one. If there's one person listening, if there's one person there, that's enough. Because I'm looking to make an impact, going back to significance. Significance is about making a difference and making an impact. And whether it's large or small, we still make an impact. I think that was more, I just wanted to throw that out there. And maybe you struggle with that or or you're facing that now. But the other part is in your very first devotion, you talk about Zachariah. And I love the verse you use in Zechariah 4.10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And I thought that is such a fitting way to bring a positive focus on the seemingly insignificant uh, routine, making beds, making dinner, you know, getting your kids' laundry done, running a home, whatever it is, the enemy loves to come in a whisper in our ear. So I want to ask you, how have you seen God use, you know, something ordinary and it became extraordinary? Oh, gosh, you you just touched on so much that I'm so passionate about. And last year I had a hysterectomy and I wasn't able to do anything really, any of those normal things that I get validation from and significance from. I was basically just laying in bed and healing, you know, not cooking the meals, not able to drive, not able to walk the dogs. And again, it was such a reminder as I was laying there and, and thinking with the Lord, I had a lot of time to think, you know, God valued me and loved me just as much then again, apart from what I did. And and I often think of my husband's grandmother who's in a nursing home. You know, she's not able to do much of what she used to do in seasons before. You know, if somebody listening is retired, not raising children anymore, and just thinking, okay, well, God, what am I supposed to do now? We can even look back at previous seasons of our life and compare ourselves, not only compare ourselves to other people that we see on social media or people we admire, but compare ourselves to our previous selves (laughs) um, and what we used to accomplish. And you said this, and it was, that's what the enemy wants to do. He's keeping our eyes constantly off of what the Lord has given us and the people and the places and the gifts that he's given us to discourage and and make us doubt our contributions, to make us quit and believe that none of us does matter so that we don't partner with God to do what he wants us to do. And so there really is a lot at stake, you know, just as much as our little, little decisions and thoughts and behaviors and actions, you know, on the negative side can have a big impact. They can also have that um, positively. And so to answer your question about something ordinary being extraordinary, I truly believe every single encounter 
with people. Uh, you know, I just had a friend that asked me, she's like, what do you love most about ministry? Number one, it's because I get to serve the Lord. You know, I get to spend time with Him and talk about mm-hmm. Him and, and focus <laughs> on Him throughout my days. And it does keep me focused um, on Him. But then beyond that, it's that I get to meet people like you. And I get to meet, you know, just anybody, even at the post office. There's a man at the post office. His name is Richard. And I've gotten to know him. And every time I go and mail my bills, it's like, well, hey, Richard, how are you doing? And <laughs> it's usually the exact same conversation. You know, he's, he's like, well, are you keeping your brother straight? And I'm like, well, I'm trying, you know. <laughs> you know, then the people at the gym, there's the same man that's there every single day on the treadmill. It's like, well, good morning. You know, how are you doing? And then the same thing at the grocery store, you know, hey, Heather, how are you this morning? You know, and, and at these familiar strangers and and just the people in the bleachers, my children's ball games, And we just never know the impact of a, a smile or a look in the eye or a starting conversation. We just don't know where those conversations will go. And sometimes it may just stay, you know, a one-time conversation and maybe you just give an encouraging word in that moment or an encouraging pat on the back or a hug to a friend or a prayer that you may pray for somebody. Or it could be like my husband. I think I met him one time underneath an oak tree at college on freshman orientation day. And now 20 years later, we're together and married and he's encouraged me and supported me. And now we have two children and and just the, the hopeful expectation in we have no idea what God is going to do with one encounter. And I just want to encourage everybody with that today. Like, could the next encounter be something that would change the trajectory of your life or somebody else's life or, or maybe both? Uh, what do you think comparison does to us? It's the thief of joy. I think it was it Theodore Roosevelt that first said that. I'm not sure. But I think there's so much truth to that because we... We look at everybody else's life and think that, well, maybe they're making a bigger contribution than, than I am, or they're more talented, or they're more gifted. Or, um, But actually, you know, just recently, um, I told my husband, well, I just turned 40, you know, on my birthday, I, you know, I said, you know, I, I love my life, and, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't trade it for anybody's. Mm-hmm. And to, to be in that place is an interesting place to be, because I've not always been there. I have looked to other people that I admire or, you know, it's easy to be envious of other people. But I think the key is, is because we do see the everyday, ordinary, mundane, worst parts of ourselves. And we're just seeing the best parts of everybody else and what they want us to see when they want to see it. And, and you know, we're even to read the Bible that way. We can read, you know, the highlight reel of even the biblical characters that we admire so much in their stories. But we forget that they had to, to go to sleep and do chores and cook meals and clean up those meals and have the hard conversations too. And so I think we just have to be really careful, you know, and even just reflect on our lives maybe. Yes, we've had hard and boring points maybe, but we've also had some really big, beautiful moments with the Lord too. And so let's focus on that, reflect on that. And then that gives us the hopeful expectation that God is going to continue to use those little moments collectively and over time to go a really long way. You know, it's interesting for those of you that haven't written a book, when your book goes into any kind of bookstore, if it gets front facing instead of the side, the binder part, that's like so exciting. So you see the life of Deborah or Esther or Ruth. And and of course that becomes, oh, I want to be a Ruth. I want to be an Esther. I want to be somebody significant. But if you don't even have a book in the bookstore, your life is significant. So Rachel, you mentioned about a medical situation procedure you had that forced you to slow down. And, And that's about what it takes for me to slow down. So I'm right there with you. 
I have told a friend in the last six months, I don't do slow very well. I struggle <laughs> with doing slow. I struggle with resting and I'm wondering maybe, well, I'm, I'm assuming probably you do the same thing. We're not supposed to assume, but thinking you might have had that same struggle. But for the woman right now who's frustrated, maybe her life is going slower than she wants. Maybe it's smaller than she dreamed it would be when she was younger or even a few years ago, you know, life changed and her life changed. What hope, what encouragement can you offer her besides like, get this book? What could you say to her? I would love to say when you were talking about, I want to be a somebody significant like a Ruth or an Esther or a Mary. And, and I would say, I wonder if Ruth and Mary and Esther and all those women that we just mentioned, if they even realized when they were living, how significant they were. I would propose that they didn't. I would agree. Even somebody like a Paul, did he realize that his letters would still be read today, that we would be still talking about them today and reading their words today? And so and I'm bad, and David probably wasn't thinking that. <laughs> no, right? And so I think the same could be true of our lives. You know, we're all so intertwined and all so woven. And, and I think we can all probably look back on decisions made by family members or even ourselves that's just, it's changed the trajectory of our life for generations. I mean, we can see that biblically too, how decisions people made. Well, let's go back to Adam and Eve. (laughs) The decisions they made, we're still being affected by today, right? And for generations. And so the same is true for our lives. It's difficult for us to see in the moment. Sometimes we don't always see the fruit and it's so unseen, but in eternity one day, I confidently believe we are going to see, wow, I lived a much more significant life than I even realized. And so if we can try to grasp the magnitude of that and the the excitement in that, that gosh, God, you can use me and I believe you're going to use me. And the key is back to those small beginnings that you talked about it. It's not necessarily us or anything we're doing. Yes, it's important, but it's God on the inside of us. That's what that verse was talking about in Zechariah. They were building a temple back to the comparison that we were talking about. They were comparing the temple that they were rebuilding that King David and King Solomon had built. And you can imagine the size and splendor of that temple compared to what these remnant of Jews were building. And so they looked upon it. And that's when Zechariah said, do not despise these small beginnings. God rejoices to see the work begin. You just begin. And it's the temple on the inside that makes it so significant. And so the same is true for us. We are God's temple and it's him as believers, his Holy Spirit on the inside of us that makes us significant. And so just begin. What is God asking you to begin? It may feel small, may feel insignificant. You may not see the fruit of your labor immediately, but just trust that he's going to use it and and he's going to take it a long way. What an excellent way to kind of wrap this up. I love the title of your book, A Little Goes a Long Way. I love the emphasis of it, which is why I wanted you on the program because I know we're all struggling with the same thing, regardless of our age, 20, 40, 60. We're dealing with the same common struggles, some to a greater degree than others. But I love how you just said, it's what God's doing on the inside, and He is calling us just to be obedient to where He has us at that moment with trusting Him, that uh, every decision is a decision that matters to Him, and it may seem insignificant, but it's not. It may seem monumental, and it might not be monumental either. Uh, It could be. (laughs) We we can think of ourselves pretty highly, can't we? But you had such a great way to wrap this book up. Would you just tell everybody where they can find you? And friends, as you're listening, but don't click off yet, 
go over to the show notes because I'm going to have all of Rachel's contact information where you can find her. The show notes will be there. So you won't miss that. But Rachel, where can people find us? Where can they listen to your podcast? Yes. As I mentioned, I I believe every conversation and every encounter and and interaction matters. And so I would love to continue this conversation and meet each person listening. So you can find me at Rachel Adams author on Instagram or Facebook. And then my website is rachelkadams.com. And you can listen to the Love Offering podcast. You can read the blog, Love Offering blog series. Um, And then you can download some of the free resources, like a conversation guide, a guided journal, and a list tracker that has each of the little tasks that are included in the devotional of each day for the 52 days. And, and again, I, you know, I know we all have a lot on our to-do list and so I never want to give anybody any more to do, but I just want them to value the little they're already doing. That is awesome. And I'm just going to have to kind of like come back and re-listen to this in those moments of my life where I think I'm not doing so good at going slow. I should be doing more. I should be, you know, and my kids are grown, so it doesn't change, Rachel. I'll just let you know, you get tweens and teenagers, when they're not tweens and teenagers, you're going to think, I thought it was supposed to be different. (laughs) It's going to be equally busy, just in a different way. So thank you for coming on the program. Listeners, thank you for tuning in every week. We are so glad that you're here. Uh, Head on over, like I said, to ConnieAubers.com. You can also find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Share it with a friend. That really does matter. And we'd love if you would kindly leave a review. That really does help us rank with the show and Stick around because I think you're going to like the coming weeks ahead. We have a lot planned and we're so grateful that you're here for what God is doing here at Equipped to Be. See you next week. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.